Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold. Welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 196. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute something to every issue of Freaky, so please check it out. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Blob, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail, made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to theslowpoisoner.com gmail.com that's the slow poisoner at gmail.com while supplies last on sale now is mark arlo's latest book called pac-man the first animated show based upon a video game this book tells the story of pac-man phenomenon and goes through the entire history of the hanna-barbera animation studios the history of the video game Pre-Pac-Man, the history of Pac-Man, the character, the video game, the spin-off, the merchandise, and the anime TV series. Each and every episode of the classic 1980 series is covered and examined. Plus, Mark Arnold covers how Pac-Man has been honored on various anniversaries, including the 40th anniversary in 2021. A fun read for casual and hardcore Pac-Man and video game fans alike, featuring many character model sheets and other images. Available online through Bear Manor Media, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. I'm currently working on articles about Nightmare, the Galloping Ghost, and the Harvey Comics superheroes for Back Issue and Alter Ego, respectively. My Mad Book is being proofread, and my second Disney book is almost done, and I am currently working on TV cartoons that time forgot. Be sure to buy my latest books, the TTV Scrapbook, and the Pac-Man book. On today's show, we have a returning guest who has written two new books since we last spoke. One is a biography on artist John Severin, and the other is a history of Charlton Comics with the title The Charlton Companion. Here he is, John B. Cook. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. I accidentally said John C. Cook during the interview. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast, and today I have a returning guest who's now on video because I do video podcasts too. Uh, this is author uh, John C. Cook, and uh, he's written a lot of different books I've helped out with and he's helped me out with. I think the last time you were here, we were discussing Weirdo to great lengths, and you've written at least two books since, and um, one of them's uh, near and dear to my heart is the John Severin book and about his life story and history and everything and then the other one is just come out it's the charlton comics handbook so welcome to the show <laughs> well it's actually the charlton Canyon. so uh, what i call it handbook, the charlton handbook was something <laughs> I, that, I meant companion yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're always a companion i don't know why i said handbook take two no anyway um so um, uh, let's talk about the Charlton one since we mentioned that last and we're trying to get it correct. The Charlton Companion. Um, I know you did comic book artists for a number of years, but uh, you seem to have a soft spot for Charlton. Why is that? Hmm. Well, uh, probably because of Nick Cuddy uh, and, uh, and Dick Giordano for sure. Um but you know when it, back in 73 maybe could have been could have been 74 um me and my brother went to the uh new york comic art convention and uh, charlton put on a uh they made an effort <laughs> and uh and george, and george wildman was there and uh nick cuddy they were passing out these uh these stickers these vinyl st- like tyvek stickers mm-hmm. um uh the, of the new charlton logo that they were uh they were promoting and uh they i think he was they they had the e-man number one they either had e-man number one or the uh galleys for it so um i was really taken by nick's personality because he really we were little we were kids uh (laughs) and he really gave us some attention um and he listened to us his enthusiasm um plus what was going on there uh i we liked the the Joe uh, Staten. Joe Staten was a just a cartoonist that I immediately was drawn to, mm-hmm. and he was doing Primus of all things, uh, <laughs> a TV really kind of a second rate TV show. And uh, but it was a fun comic book, mm-hmm. and I remember that distinctly. And uh, they were trying, you know. Uh, I never noticed them very much before that, but when George. <clears throat> Wildman took over as editor. There was a real effort that was put into it. Mm-hmm. So, and I only discovered the Dick Giordano stuff a little later. We would find issues of Blue Beetle and and that 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 uh, you said, hey, and then you you know hear the legend of uh, the action heroes. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, uh, like Harvey, which is my big forte, Charlton is usually discarded uh as like kitty fodder or just junk or whatever and i always like what pete von Scholle he did a parody of your comic book artist once and i think he called it carlton comics but we knew what he was referring to and uh he came up with the slogan uh, comics so bad even children threw them out which always felt very funny but that's not exactly true i mean they're they're actually had some good representation i mean not just like steve ditko or anybody else's like a lot of people actually came and went through charlton's doors correct Mm, yeah, there was uh, Pete Morisi who would 
been there since the 1950s. And if you look at his stuff, you know, he did the Westerns that he did and uh, he did, uh, uh, you know, Vengeance Squad, for instance. Uh, uh, he always put in a real strong effort in, in, the, in the, what he did. Uh, there was a lot of junk that was coming out of Charlton. Um, but there was uh, there were these these gems uh, um, amongst uh, amongst the uh, the common stuff, I guess. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm not really massively in love with Charlton Connors. Uh, I mean, the thing the thing is that it's a it's a uh, it, there's a story there. Yeah, and that that's what really interests me is that it's a it's a it was a unique comic publisher that was tied to a one location that had an effect a real world effect on a community um and uh they had an in-house uh, bullpen not like the imaginary marvel bullpen but an actual place where people all came together and had to work for a period of time plus they had that i mean a cataclysm they had they had a flood in 1955 that was uh epic that was biblical <laughs> and uh, they survived that um Plus, you know, there would be these geniuses that would somehow be connected with it, if ever so peripherally. Like, uh, well, certainly Harvey Kurtzman um, and Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. Uh, you know, not not a not a great deal, and Harvey's experience wasn't very good with them publishing uh, printing. Actually, humbug. Humbug. Yeah. Um, but uh, still, um, and and the guy. And the guys who started the company, uh, if you want to go there, we can go there. Sure, sure. They were really, really interesting characters who came from, uh, 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 they both had uh, uh, criminal backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I found interesting in, in reading through the book um, is, you know, we're talking comic books because that's what our interest is, but Charlton really was a lot more and comic books is almost like just a little fraction of what they really did. I mean, they had like the hit parader and all those other, you know, music magazines and other magazines and everything. And they printed them all out of there in Derby, Connecticut. And um, so what, what led them to go into comic books? It seemed like they were doing pretty well already with just the magazines they were publishing. Well, Okay, in, uh, in, in 1941, they started there. After they got out of county jail, uh, <laughs> they started, the, the partners started up uh, their song lyric magazines, uh, which is different than... Uh, uh, so, uh, what, do you, what do you call them? <laughs> this, the nomenclature is really important for this stuff. Is that it's not like a uh, uh, the the music sheets that your composition had a musical composition. It just had the lyrics to it, right. um, and that was uh, that was where he made his money at uh, copyright infringement. Um, but that that's the only magazines that they did before they did comics okay. were these. But there was heavy competition for it when they went legit. Um, and, uh, they needed to keep the, they needed to diversify. They needed to make sure that they diversified into different, I mean, they did music magazines and then he said, Hey, and here's the real mystery of, of why do they start? Why were comic magazines the second thing that they did? You know, I have a theory and I, and I put it in the book. Um, 
Uh, and then they really died. And by in 1950, uh, by 1950, the bottom had dropped out of the uh, song lyric magazines. They were still a, a big seller, but the competition, their post-war, for some reason, it had spiked and then it just plummeted and they had to find something else to do. So um, they had already started comics, but really very, very few titles, five, yeah. six titles. This wasn't beginning. like their first title, like Zoo Comics in 1945, and then there wasn't anything else for like a, almost a couple of years. <laughs> no, they, every year, uh, there wasn't every year they released a new title, but uh, no, their first uh, title was uh, Yellow Yellow Jacket Comics. Oh, okay. Well, and their second title was probably uh, Courage Comics, which mm -hmm. did not have their, uh, but that, that was the second, and which was done for the sheriff who was at the county jail, whom they lived right <laughs> ne next door to the living quarters of. So there was some arrangement that was uh, brought up by this very, very charismatic and very interesting uh, sheriff who started the two issues of Courage Comics. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, um, what do you feel is like their first major hit that uh, that got them a notice then as far as comic books? <laughs> Did they ever? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, I mean, honestly, you mentioned E-Man and E-Man has actually been quite revered. I've interviewed. Uh, oh, a hit uh, and that's a, you mean a critical yeah. hit? Yeah, I would say that their first critical hit was very uh, was arguably negative. Um, <laughs> was uh, space western comics. Uh, yeah. I find I'm endlessly fascinated by this comic book of mixing two genres together. Uh, <laughs> of uh, which was one of the partners, the Charlton partners, Walter Gibson, the the invent uh, the creator of the Shadow, mm -hmm. uh, told Will Murray it was it was the one of the partners' ideas to 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 mash up these two genres of cowboys and and flying saucers and uh so that was really cool and uh they did the thing which yeah. i that was probably the biggest impact which was a really uh horrific comic book yeah that uh had uh it was rather gruesome that was mentioned multiple times in seduction of the innocent as uh right. corrupting young, young people's minds <laughs> so there was that overwhelmingly they did not have comics that made a great impact uh sales wise or it was just steady they just steadily uh, produced a lot of westerns a lot of war comics they were the um uh they did more romance comics than anybody else mm -hmm. you know yeah. issue by issue by issue not by you know print run but by issue by issue right. how many issues they but did. also longevity so, didn't they keep printing them into yeah. like even to the 80s you know and it's like whereas everybody else had stopped by the 70s you know <laughs> what, with the romance yeah. yeah 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 i mean i remember it was mostly re it. it was reprints in the of 80s, course yeah but, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> they, they pretty much uh, shut down their comic division by 77 so mm. and then they slowly came back a teeny bit and then mostly they did uh but we don't need to jump so fast yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did they wrap up? No, I will get there. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of different titles that they did. I mean, my first exposure, strangely enough, and not, ironically enough, not, is Underdog Number One from 1970, and I was. That didn't actually, even last long. It, yeah, it lasted about 
seven issues, I think. It, uh, but it's like it, it had an impact on me because uh, it was actually pretty well drawn by Frank Johnson. And they followed the Zot story pretty much word for word the, to the TV script. And I said, wow, that's impressive because even Gold Key... Dell and uh, you know who else? Uh, anybody else that was doing you know uh, cartoon tie-ins? You know they weren't following. They're making up their own characters, Mary Jane and Sniffles, and other things like that. So, um, do you know anything about those titles? I mean, that's kind of jumping ahead too. But I mean, it's like when they started licensing certain things, how that operated. Um, you know, they had Rocky and Bullwinkle, Dudley Do Right, and you know, later the Hanna Barbera things. Did they have strict rules of how they were supposed to do these things, or no? I don't. I think that there was there was uh, what they did is uh, honestly they tapped into the Westport uh, comic strip uh, community. That, you know, really from Mort Mort Walker and his team, and and Frank mm -hmm. was a part of that team, and right. um. And then, and they also just believe that your listeners are familiar with the 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 right the, the comic strip community that was Westport, Connecticut was huge. Yeah, and they tapped it. They tapped into it. And so, no, I what I'm saying is that there was some quality stuff that came out of there. Yeah. I was I was that if there's that one thing I did learn from the book, which was I learned a lot, but one of them was. Uh, the, the the whole cartoony guys i call them the cartoony guys in there and uh they were quite uh, uh prolific and uh, even greg walker uh mort's son did sergeant snorkel and right. uh <clears throat> i don't think that there was a lot of control that was coming on uh yeah. certainly with beetle bailey because you know you have the son of the creator uh right. but uh, did a, a, a pretty good job hmm. <clears throat> That was coming down. Yeah, even I did an article pretty recently about um, Charlton stuff, just the stuff that they got from King Features that traditionally was published by Dell, sometimes by Harvey, sometimes even by DC or something. And then, you know, it ends up all over at Charlton. Um, was that uh, like when they got these big things like that, like King Features and Hanna Barbera and everything, was that? lucrative for them or did they think that they were really accomplished i mean or was it just oh we just happened to luck into this <laughs> i think they happened to luck into it uh it, it, i heard george wildman had said publicly that it was lucrative it did it, it earned uh, the most money for charlton privately in letters that uh, uh, we had access to he had said that they were dogs uh, but by the end they uh, did not did not sell well at all yeah. um though uh interestingly he continued he his thing was popeye right and he continued as the popeye artist and and bill pearson continued as the popeye writer right when it when it went over to gold key <laughs> while george was still editor-in-chief at charlton <laughs> so that's pretty so what they would do is they would be drawing first they hid because they're in the bullpen they yeah. hid their drawing and working on uh, the, the the Popeye, uh, and then they just realized nobody cares anyone. They'll they'll think that they're working on uh, Charlton stuff, but they were doing stuff for Gold Key for Western. You know? <laughs> Yeah. I was wondering how they got away with that because, you know, it's like I knew even as a kid because I'd see his name, George Wildman, on the Popeye comics and, you know, and then I'd see it over on Charlton things and I go, 
Is that the same guy? I guess so. Yeah, it's like no, no. Western liked his stuff. They really yeah. did like his stuff. So they said, "Hey, if you want to, you know, continue yeah. it." And uh, he was in an interesting position. I I don't know if it's a conflict of interest. It probably was. But, probably was, but you know, you know nowadays it would be more likely that they'd be like Sue happy to be like, "You can't do that. You'll have to choose sides." But back then, yeah, it sounds like, yeah. oh, you're doing a little side <laughs> project for a competitor. That's no big deal. <laughs> Yeah, and it turned out not to be. But they were there for like two years, mm-hmm. you know, some twenty-four comics or something like that. Or uh, no, they weren't a monthly, but you would know better than me. But anyway, they were there. They were there. Uh, apart from uh, mm-hmm. like the criminal beginnings of the company, what were some of the like the surprising things that you discovered by doing the research for this book? I think the whole story. Uh, you know, like I'm. I didn't know really anything much about the fifties, uh, but going into it, uh, I learned, uh, because again, as you mentioned, they're a bigger company. They, they came out with the first, uh, uh, national nationally distributed magazine that was devoted to, uh, uh, African-American music to, to black, black music. Mm -hmm. Um, they did uh, rhythm and blues. That was a magazine that they did that, uh, which is uh, admirable. Uh, they d- devoted, uh, uh, they noticeably uh, devoted a lot of uh, uh, a number of their magazines to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked some uh, some quite notable uh, rock journalists if if what did Trump really? I mean, was it had any p- impact? Was it of importance? And uh, I had heard uh, yes, yeah, no. They they published some good stuff. Um, they started the rudiments of uh, rock journalism, of being taken seriously. You know, it was, again, it was rudimentary because anyone who started getting any uh, uh, notice uh, was hired away immediately because uh, they weren't the top paying, paying yeah. people. Um, surprises, I guess the whole story is the is the pleasant surprise of re- really coming into focus. And I, and I hope that people walk away from this book going, not wanting but but feeling fulfilled that they that they heard the entire story. Yeah. Um it's a, I, there's some things I I didn't touch upon 1776. Hey, you know, I wish I did cover it but uh, <laughs> because it's an interesting it's a Broadway musical that they did a comic book out of. It's it's an oddball enough, but mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't couldn't cover absolutely everything. Yeah. But well, you did touch you on t- quite a about. yeah, you did touch on quite a bit of things. Um <laughs> like I didn't expect you to go through yeah, I mean, I did for my <laughs> Harvey companion, but, you know, I was kind of just going title by title. But, you know, I wouldn't expect you to go through David Casty and Partridge Family and all the TV tie-ins and all, you know, unless, you know, you, you wanted to. You know, it's like, I think probably the I didn't... Pe- people, most things people are uh, interested in who are casual Charlton fans are probably what ended up being the Watchmen uh, characters and things like that and Blue Beetle and stuff like that, more so than this, the funny animal, silly stuff that I I tend to comment on. Mm. Well, I mean, as you can see, I mean, I try to get headshots of everybody that I, uh, d- uh, that I covered in the book because I wanted, you know, you want to personalize uh, who these creators are. And very often this is the, one time you get to see any number of these creators, you, you know, you've just imagined them beforehand. I didn't really focus on the titles very, very much at all. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had some sidebars. Uh, uh, Steve Bissett, uh 
did a, a, a couple of sidebars, one on the thing and one on the, on the Gorgo and uh, uh, why is that giant dinosaur creature uh, suddenly <laughs> jumped out of my brain? But then, uh, you know, um, come on, what was the big ape? What was the big ape's Con name? Conga? Congo? Congo? Conga. There okay. we go. So, ooh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, Steve, Steve covered that. He, he covered it. But I really, the, it was getting quotes from people who work there on that and then that continued the story and that were that they had something to something to say and uh, uh i think and i also wanted to tell their life stories too i mean I, if there's anything i'm a uh, guilty of really is uh frank johnson for instance i tell his life story in in four paragraphs but what, however long i devoted to frank you know he's there for uh um, I, you, I think you get kind of a kind of a good picture of uh, his career. Right. Now, did you interview most of these people yourself, or did you use archival interviews like uh, done, done by, say, Michael Ambrose or other people um, that were also Charlton people <laughs> fans? <laughs> uh, I think if you look at the footnotes, you'll see I did the majority of the interviews, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I. I, I went through, I, I quoted uh, some of your stuff for sure, you know, in there, yeah. the, the stuff you did in back issue. And uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I'm, an, I'm a, I'm a historian. I mean, I, 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 it's just not my, you know, what I find primary source, but uh, secondary source. Mm -hmm. Was yeah. there any part I mean, of I, this? Oh, go ahead. I would, you know, the, one of the big things was newspapers.com. Uh, I mean, that was really talk about a deep dive and ancestry.com. And you could do some really deep dives in people, you know, mm -hmm. you know, for instance, my, one of the things I wanted to find out the middle names of everybody. That's not really <laughs> easy, you know, because no. you, you want to have the full name. I mean, if there's anything I want to, their, their birth year, their death year and their, and their full names, uh, you know, uh, but anyway, that's, that's all. I, I utilize archive.org is fantastic resource. Um, and of course, Google is just a fantastic resource as well. So. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody that you wanted to either A, interview or B, just write about that was just difficult to track down and you didn't have much to say and wish you could say more? Oh, I wish I could devote a lot more attention uh, to Steve Ditko. Um, mm -hmm. He really is the uh, the poster boy for the company. I mean, yeah, he's really the most, certainly the most influential cartoonist who came out of there. I asked Steve enough times in his life, uh, every single time I was in contact with him, and I was a regular correspondent for a while, uh, asked him every single time for an interview. And I, you know, it's like, I know you're going to say no, but I, it's not, it, not right for me not to say it. Not right for me not to ask, you know, because who knows? That would that would be the biggest get of all, uh, and that of course sadly didn't happen. But he was a wonderful guy. Very um, the, the correspondence I had with him was uh, very encouraging, just kind. What you know? What a very nice nice person. Nothing like uh, what how people how he's portrayed all, all, often. You know, right. this Ayn Randian. <laughs> even if you didn't get an interview did you ever get a sense that uh he enjoyed anything that he did at charlton or no oh yeah i oh. mean yeah definitely yeah because it oh, seems yeah. like no. he stayed there far longer than you know even marvel i believe if i if memory serves you know doing just various different 
projects and magazines and stuff like that. He was there at the at the very end. He was he yeah. was really pitch, pitching in to try to save the company, you mm. know, and putting an all in effort with him and uh, Robin Schneider and uh, and John uh, Wren and uh, just trying to trying to save the company at the last last ditch effort and uh static you created this character static oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> right, right. so you tried and uh it just didn't it didn't click um what else did you ask um oh i was just asking about if you know because he didn't officially get an interview with ditko it's like did he ever you know kind of leave you with the impression that he enjoyed working there you said oh, basically oh, yes yeah um because... well and he said it ex- explicitly in uh and robin schneider's you know the comics i mean he said it about working with joe gill yeah he said it was such a pleasure and it was a pleasure to be at the company and stuff and, and that too oh. um it was the freedom i mean if there's mm-hmm. anything and i say it explicitly in my uh opening uh editorial or whatever my introduction that if it can be distilled down to one word beyond cheap it would be freedom yeah and uh, people had freedom to do what they uh what they wanted now did he work out of derby or did he work just out of his apartment or only wherever? only he would come up for for a period of time he lived in a hotel in okay. the same hotel that uh joe gill uh lived at uh I get a sense that that wasn't all that long that that had happened uh but he would that he would go he would come up from new york Right. And then he would go back on the weekends and he would come up for the weekdays. And I think that was only when uh, John Santangelo, the, the the guy who insisted that people work in-house there, yeah. uh, I think he eased off after a while. And he was getting older, retirement age anyway, and he was backing <laughs> off. So I think then people just loosened up and said, go off. Okay, so that bullpen idea was only for maybe a decade or two or something, you know, or not. Oh, no, I wouldn't even say that long. Uh, (laughs) Maybe maybe five years. Okay. You know, it started just before the uh, hurricane, uh, hurricane uh, Diane. Um, So it started in March of 55. uh, And we know that because, uh, because Dick had just gotten married. Mm -hmm. And so he remembered his uh, anniversary date. And and I think it lasted maybe to 57, maybe 58 oh, okay so. maybe maybe the when the fagos left uh and uh Masuli, pat Masuli took took over maybe mm-hmm. oh, man. You know. interesting um <laughs> so th- it sounded like and just from what i've read and seen it just seems like they were just kind of consistent and just kind of plodding along just always there um but what kind of finally kind of took them down because i i seem to like always see their comics throughout the 70s and then the early 80s was where it just kind of went but then so did a lot of other things in the early 80s i mean was there a specific reason like the direct market or uh video games or anything else yeah that's what they always attributed the early 80s oh that's what killed off this magazine and killed off that title and blah 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 you know well, the only thing that saved DC and Marvel were, were was the direct market, uh, right? I mean, and yeah. I don't know if that's that, that's well. I think it hurt uh, the everyone else, though. That's just my opinion, but you know, it's like it just seems interesting that while Marvel and DC are expanding, everybody else is contracting and going away. They weren't. Ex- they were. They weren't <laughs> expanding. I mean, they really, honestly, they were not expanding. They were. It was an ever, ever small, ever, ever shrinking market. But we're getting into other issues here. I yeah. think. 
it was it was a, a lack of commitment by the uh, by John Santangelo Jr. had no interest in getting in the direct market, mm. none, flat out. Though Bill Pearson and and George and secondary, mostly Bill Pearson, was saying, "Hey, this is his market here. We can make some <laughs> money from it," you yeah. know. And so that they that's why they created um, Charlton Bullseye. Yeah. Uh, so they created a, uh, which was an inter- very interesting concept. On, on the surface, it's like, oh, okay, Charlton's getting material for free from its from its uh, from you know uh, amateurs, and yes, they were, but they were also amateurs were getting a chance to, yeah. you know, to to strut their stuff in a, on a national yeah, stage. I, I didn't think about know? it the former way. I wasn't sure if anybody got paid or not. That was you know, but I no no I, they got, I, they got I, paid. I, they had, <laughs> go ahead. When those came out, I just noticed, hey. They're taking a chance. They're trying new characters finally, instead of doing the same reprints over and over and over and over. It was the, the kind of got stuck in doing. I was that jazzed me. I mean, that was the that was the only Charlton comic I bought. Uh, I was in college at the time, and I remember that going. You know, the stuff. Some of the stuff is horrible, but <laughs> I bought every issue. I mean, you yeah. know, because just because they were trying. I I, I always uh, give kudos for for effort. Mm-hmm. You know. And so for newbies, you know, who come out for these new, new guys, and that was a that was a, 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 a an attempt to get into the direct market to make some kind of impact. It got some press within the comics journal. The CBG had made mention of it. They all they all talked about it. A lot of people got clued into it to uh, to contribute uh, to try their own. Significantly, they didn't get paid money, but they got paid fifty copies of whatever thing they appeared in. And that's a lot. That, that's something you can you can walk around when you're when you're trying to get work at Marvel and at DC and, and you know the main guys. You had something that you could you could show off. So that was kind of forward thinking too, mm-hmm. um, for them to do that. It was uh, too little, too late, but uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it was notable. It was notable that they tried, um, but they had pretty much given up the ghost by '77. I mean, just. Senior had just decided. John Santangelo Senior just said, uh, "No more. We're, we're we're done with comics." It was such a marginal business. It was, yeah. um, I guess, you know, I don't really know for sure, but although they hmm. kept certain titles going, like I mean, what's well, odd was, is <laughs> like it was modern a... comics. It was modern comics came along. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did uh, sixty titles for this mod, which were just plastic bag comics. Right, you know, three to a uh, three to a bag, and they um, said uh, that made a new uh, a revitalization of interest within uh, Charlton to go. Okay, let's tip our, you know, put our toes in the water. Let's do reprint comics. But you know, and um, yeah, and that's and that's what continued, and that's why we have this. We don't really notice that it stopped, you know, so yeah. much. There was a con- there was a continuity there. But yeah. um, well, one thing I noticed in the late seventies, yeah, the the regular just standard thirty six page whatever floppy comic books were kind of you know, but they tended to switch things over to magazines like they did in an emergency magazine, the $6 million man magazine. They got the rights to sick magazine and uh, some of them were more successful than others. But I mean, was that kind of their way of combating it or were they trying to compete with Marvel because they had a number of black and white magazines? What was, or is it just another thing to do? Well, actually they didn't, uh, uh, 
Six Million Dollar Man was a magazine and it was a comic book, both at the same time. Yeah. So that they were going for, with the exact same title. They were going for what they perceived, what Nick Cuddy perceived uh, and George Wildman as uh, distinct audiences, mm. as one being adults and one being children. I don't even know if the content reflects that. Maybe it does. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I think they were looking at Marvel and they were looking at Warren and they were thinking, hey, you know, there's a market that, that we could do. But they were very excited to get the uh, to get the Space 1999 okay. uh, license and the Universal. That was a little bit after uh, they got Universal with the uh, uh, Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman and that kind of stuff. Because so, it seems like they kept big, trying more, but putting them more into magazines. That's what I remember. But, you know, I, I realized, yeah. yeah, there were concurrent comic books at the same time. But I guess, hey, if you have the property, why not put out multiple magazines? <laughs> Other people do that. <laughs> and they uh, jobbed them out. They jobbed, as far as content goes, they jobbed them out to Continuity Studios. Um, you might remember the great emergency covers by Neil Adams. They were, mm -hmm. they were just great stuff. And, um, then I went to Jack Sparling after uh, yeah. Neil Neil parted ways with Charlton over an over a dispute that they had. Um, and sick was uh, sick is weird. Nobody remembers it. I was talking to the uh, to the associate publisher of Pyramid, um, and he didn't remember publishing sick to begin with. And here it is. Okay, you know it was odd for them anyway. What's a paperback magazine publisher publishing sick for? Right. But uh, but Joe had been you know had been jobbed out to Joe Joe Simon was still doing the magazine. Yeah. But then when I when I went over to Charlton, it God did it plummet and any any not to say it had a great deal of quality with Joe Simon. God yeah. bless him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was better it in the sixties. Yeah, <laughs> I, you yeah, know I have every issue. You know, and it's like I, I have a friend who actually prefers the Charlton ones, and I got more power to you, but. Uh, but well, did have did Arnold Drake's ego. They, man. Well, I mean, they had a few people that got in there. I mean, even you know the aforementioned George Wildman did a few strips, you know, parodying you know Popeye and things like that. And so they 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 occasionally got something in there. Uh, the weird thing about Sick, you know, that I noticed in those later years is that they had that shared to flower strip with the two women that were basically naked in every frame. And it's like, granted, it's not comic code stuff, but how did they get away with that? You know? <laughs> and um, I don't know. It, for, for, the weird part for me is I knew about of sick because, you know, I was getting mad and cracked and things like that, but I never saw it on the newsstands. Um, somewhere along the line in the late seventies, I saw one of the first Charlton issues in a back issue bin, you know, quarter bin or whatever. And I go, they still make sick <laughs> and then i look at the numbers like 109 and i go wow they did over 100 issues of this and then uh when superman the movie came out i actually found that issue on the stands and bought it and i saw a couple after it and then nothing but i always hated them because i thought they were terrible <laughs> they were poorly drawn they weren't funny uh the the production value was lousy i mean even like even marvel's crazy magazine uh if the production i mean if the the humor was lousy at least the production values were typical of good marvel comics you know but anyway um yeah you know this the story of uh 
So is Frank Roberge, who is a cartoonist who, again, he came up from the, from the Walker, Walker right. uh, stable. Um, he was uh, hired as the uh, editor. And uh, while he was working on sick in 1976, he died at his drawing table working <laughs> on sick magazine. Um, and uh, who was it? It was Nick, Nick Cuddy who made mention of that. He goes, that's the way I want to go. And, you know, I <laughs> guess I wouldn't mind sick. going that way. Either. I don't want my wife to find me, but you know, if I got to go, you might as well go working. You know, yeah. he's guess. not the only I mean, person to die at his drawing board. The guy in, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I should. Oh, George, uh, uh, Melier is his last name. Uh, he died at his drawing board working on hot stuff. You know, it's like, <laughs> so really, yeah. So, I mean, it's that's not... my favorite Harvey comic book. Yeah, oh my gosh, so... that, that <laughs> Stumbo the Giant. And but, he probably uh... would have continued doing hot stuff, and Kremer would have done it less of it and post and all those other ones had he not passed really? away. Because he was kind of like co creator on the things. The Warren Kremer family say it's theirs, you know, and. The Harvey mm-hmm. family says it's theirs, but you know I still attribute it to the Melier. So you know, well, <laughs> yeah, far out. Anyway, um, now Charlton, even though they got out of comics and they kind of sputtered out, you know, even after the um, Charlton Bullseye, it seemed like they came back a couple more times. They put out Atomic Mouse and like uh, a couple other kitty comics, and and then they put out a couple more other kind of science fiction and romance comics, and just just random stuff seemed to come out um but even after they stopped the comic books they still were doing like hit parader and stuff like that i remember seeing things like that i think weren't they weren't they publishing circus magazine wasn't that that theirs too at some point or they were doing one of those rock and roll magazines yeah well they did they did hit parader and they uh, the thing is that they did and i covered in the book that they uh they switched over to heavy metal yeah that's that 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 changed the paradigm for them that made it they were that was that made some major money for okay. uh for charlton when they went to uh you know def leopard and uh and iron maiden and 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 they even had a usa network uh tv show yeah. tv segment on, on night flight so um, um yeah that i remember it. all that stuff and it's like oh this is still the same charlton i guess so <laughs> you know <laughs> that was the only great you know real asset that they had at the end yeah. So they sold that to a New Jersey uh, uh, publisher after that. So. Yeah, because... uh, along with uh, country and their country Western magazine really oh, yeah. did. Yeah, country a song roundup, uh, mm-hmm. country Western song roundup. Yeah, and that was quite a hit of magazine too. And it was also good. It was mm-hmm. also good. It had really good pieces on uh, personality profiles of uh, mm-hmm. Western stars and all stuff like that. I mean, I don't have any interest in it other than. Oh, okay. It was quality stuff of, of recognizing mm-hmm. that it was good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, those are doing well. What made them throw in the towel and just sell it off and say, we're done? Uh, the, 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 I don't think they were doing that well. I mean, it was overhead, I think. I think yeah. just basically it was overhead. I mean, they had this huge plant. It was a huge plant. Um, mm. They didn't have enough uh, properties, I think. Uh, they never focused on that, unfortunately, with their comics. Mm-hmm. For instance, they didn't focus on cultivating characters and uh, a trademark. Of, you know, they just, I don't know if they like looked at it as just to keep the presses running, but, <laughs> you know, everyone said it. So I guess I'll have to kind of grudgingly say that's probably true. 
Um, they just wanted to keep keep them going. And, yeah. Uh, the whole thing is distribution. That is, you know, the bottom line with magazines. And they had their own distribution. They also utilized other distributors as well. Certainly, west of the Mississippi. If any of their stuff got out out there, I mean, you, you talk to people out west, they say I could never find stuff. Um, well, I found it, those music every... magazines and the ones I told you, but yeah, it was few and far between on stuff like sick and stuff like that. And yeah, just... and so you know. Comics were just another item to throw in there to hopefully entice somebody to yeah. to have you uh, have you be their distributor, have Charlton be their distributor. They had enough of a family of magazines. They're like, OK, all right, I'll go with you guys, because, for instance, because they were able to do everything so cheap, they uh, they could give a really good price for a break to the retailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know. That's obviously that's a big thing because the retailer doesn't necessarily want quality. Everybody wants Playboy. Everybody wants, uh, you know, Time Magazine. You know, everybody wants that stuff. But they also want stuff to fill the newsstands too. Right. They don't want to pay pay a lot. So anyway, again, distribution, distribution, distribution. You know. Mm-hmm. Now I know mm-hmm. they did this for Humbug. We mentioned Humbug, and also I think the first issue of Impact at EC Comics um, was. Charlton a leader in trying to just print other published comic books because I know most people went through World Press in Sparta, Illinois but I mean were they trying to make any inroads there or did they just do the the couple I mentioned and maybe a few more I don't even know of a few more yeah you know I just know that somebody might you know I get you know getting this glimmer of this understanding of Harvey Harvey uh, had made uh, a connection with them. Then did maybe Bill Gaines heard about that or so maybe something was going on. No, Bill Gaines was a, a little before that. So it's probably from Bill. Um, and then there was Ballantyne was involved in that. So I think word gets around the community and stuff like that. Um, they had no, uh, that I could tell, no agents that went out looking for, they never went out looking for jobs. They, they did their own. They did their own thing. Mm. They were not a, you know, yeah. so they were just different than any other uh, other yeah. uh, publisher and and that, you sounds, know. Sounds they like were never a vendor. Just they bumbled, weren't a vendor. They bumbled along for, how long were they in business? About 50 years? <laughs> 40, 40 years. 40 yeah. years, yeah, yeah. That's actually pretty remarkable considering, you know, like you said, they didn't have any licensed characters. They didn't try to solicit other business and didn't try to really expand aggressively and yet they just kept plodding away um mm. they did a huge amount of magazines as you can see in the back of you know frank motler uh, compiled this amazing list of all the different magazines that, that and it's pretty pretty amazing uh, you know cb they did a cb times they were devoting right. they jumped on any and all fads that, that came along right a lot of things i didn't know was charlton until you know it's like little joke book gag books things like that (laughs) just panel gags and stuff like that it's like you just think oh yeah they did that too but you know i guess it was just taking up shelf space like you're saying yeah they did uh they were uh, well they went second to uh to uh goodman's uh what was the name of it timely wasn't yeah, you know, you know, uh, Martin Goodman's brother Abraham Abe, 
Goodman did mm-hmm. these joke with joke books. I mean, he was the master of these, you know, right. nude girls, you know, horrible humor and all that stuff. Right. What what's that genre called? What's that? Do we uh, know? Just like girly just joke, books, yeah, joke girly joke books, or well, even Harvey did a few of them. They did like the army and navy gags and you know stuff like that. Um, uh, yeah, Charles did a ton of them. Yeah, you know, and uh, even. Um, the company that uh, Joe Simon worked with originally was sick. I think it was Cadence or something. They did a few and uh, Curtis did a few, you know, all these different distributors and stuff like that. Dell, Dell, <laughs> Dell did all these crossword puzzle books, which I think even Charlton got into game books and stuff too, didn't they? You know, that's that type of stuff. Just like you said, anything and everything. <laughs> um, yeah, cr- cr- crosswords were huge. Yeah. Crosswords yeah. were just a perennial for them from the 19, from like 1955 up mm-hmm. you know, to the end. So when, when was officially the end and what happened at that point? They bulldozed the whole, the whole complex. Was they, that they, like right at the right time? Down to the ground, wow. Right down to the ground. But I mean, was 19- that right at the time? Nobody, there was no takers to buy print printing press or uh, buy the building. Oh, I'm sure, they, yeah. I'm sure they, yeah. they cleared yeah. it out. I'm sure yeah. they cleared it out. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they were, that was, that was making the most money for the Santa Angelo family, I believe, uh, around the end, which was 1990, 1991, which was real estate. Um, and that, that's prime land for a shopping mall, you know, shopping center. I mean, they had a shopping center right next door. Uh, yeah, I think they did. Right. I think they just expanded. It was more of a strip mall that yeah. it became as far more valuable as, as real estate as it came to the end. Uh, just there was just was there much interest anyway? You know what I mean? That's, you know, that it came from the top about it was a business. It was like some somewhat it was a way to make money. It was a regular way to make money. They knew how to manage people. They knew how to, you know, um, was their heart into it? I don't, you know, I don't think so. But, you know, or any publishers, is there, right. you know, these mainstream companies of these giant companies and stuff, are they have their heart into it? I don't know. We're the crazy, we're the crazy ones there. there yeah, I don't know if they're into publishing nowadays because it seems like now they're more into uh, licensing and movies, you know, on this type of stuff. You know, it's like comic books. What's that? You know, but oh well. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, now I've heard about this. I don't. I you know, like I said, I I kind of flipped through your book. I hate to say I didn't read it, and I need to read it, read it, read it to really memorize this stuff. But that's how I figured I'd ask you about it so you could tell me, um, and then I'll read it. Um. They sold, or was there like an auction for all the different characters? Because like DC, like I said, got the characters that eventually became like the Watchmen characters and stuff like that. And then I know like John Lustig got uh, the romance stuff and he's done his own stuff with that. And I think uh, Mike Curtis or somebody got uh, Atomic Mouse and things like that. Was there like just a general auction or how did that work? Or how did those uh, properties become available? uh people making requests saying hey can i can i buy this can i buy that oh, okay generally speaking they weren't uh, aggressive as far as auctioning anything off you know roger broughton came in and uh, uh purchased uh the inventory a great uh, i don't know if yeah i guess he bought film i guess he bought uh, the films and the uh and uh, original art and uh a lot of that material uh and i think there was an assumption perhaps uh, on his side that he that 
Ergo, he owned the trademarks to these characters, and uh, that's been, that was been a bone of contention. Uh, and <laughs> you know, I mean, I I never really got the full story uh, on any of this stuff of strictly who owns. I mean, it's really who prints it and who doesn't get sued, right? right. <laughs> I mean, in, in a way, I mean, yeah. The ones I told you, Lust, John Lustig and Mike Curtis, they told me, but you know whether they've actually filled out paperwork and oh no they did the, the, they okay. did they, okay. they, have, they right. have they have signed contracts I oh mean, okay I don't know about, right. about okay. mike so yeah. much but i certainly know john did yeah. and i have uh stuff in my files of uh other material that was purchased that was uh oh definitely signed for yeah yeah I mean, you know they made it just a deal you know and some yeah. of it was for the film and some of it no was just for the uh the character and stuff like that but when asked you know point blank uh ed Connick, who is the uh general manager he said no he didn't sell roger brown the uh the trademarks to the characters and mm. that's quoted in a comic book creator i mean pardon me comic book artist magazine so mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right well um i um want to talk a little bit also about the john severin book and um you had asked me a bunch of questions actually you asked me a bunch of questions that probably ended up with the charlton thing too um but um how did that book come about i mean john severin deserved a book but i mean do, do you approach tomorrow's or did they come come to you or how'd that come about no that was uh that was greg bigger he's the uh he's my co-author on that uh, and he's the uh the the top uh top ranked uh, writer on that it was his uh his idea his concept uh it's a natural i mean he came to me and uh, we were uh it's just a natural idea i i, I think john morrow will uh, will admit it took some persuading um because <laughs> you know i mean just because john severin however good an artist he is he wasn't a superhero artist he was you know he inked the incredible hulk but pretty much never really associated with superheroes um, it was all war stuff, pretty much, and uh, adventure stuff and adventure material, and um, so it was a a little harder sell. But I, you know, I was I held my breath, you know, and I said, "We're we really need to do this book because okay, look at all the EC artists who there have been books of, right?" And uh, so what Greg Bigger did was Greg uh, approached the uh, the uh, one of the daughters, uh, Michalina. Uh, of uh, Severin and uh, said, we'd like to do a book. And uh, I guess there was a discussion going on about uh, the material that they had, you know, the, uh, all the, all the children, he had six kids, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, so all the children were took stuff off their walls and you know, <laughs> gave it to Michalina. And I flew out to, uh, I literally bought a scanner. I, ordered a scanner that he could pick up at a local store. So then we met or whatever. He picked me up at the airport and we went over to Michalina's and went through this incredible pile of Severn artwork. And <laughs> so we had, we had the Severn estate involved in it. We had all that artwork. Uh, he gave me a uh, manuscript uh, and I, I became a co-author at that point saying, well, we need as a historian we need to flesh this stuff out and so right. uh i came in and uh, did a major rewrite and uh yeah added, added a ton of stuff you know <clears throat> so it was uh i yeah i love that book uh mm -hmm. it was it was great fun to do and that was another really deep dive 
another pandemic production. Right. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, Morrow would be hesitant about it. I get it because, you know, yeah, he wasn't a superhero artist, but he had already done a Marie Severin book. It's like, you know, but that's you, different. I mean, yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's bullpen. That's, that's, yeah, ooh, I guess that's so. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's in the heart of Marvel. Yeah. I just don't think of it that way. I just think, and I also, I think EC, it's like every major EC person should have a book, you know, and it's like, you got to read right. Randall book. You got to, you know, <laughs> you know, just name it. Harvey Kurtzman book. I'm not or, saying yeah, he wasn't yeah. really, he was, a tot- he was just like, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe kind yeah. of thing, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. But, you know? I, but it's like, it, as soon as I saw him, the, the way I thought just as a fan, you know, I just said, as soon as I saw Marie Severin book, where's the John Severin book? And then the first thing that kind of came out um, that saluted John Severin in any way, shape or form was one of those EC reprint books that Fantagraphics did, you know, where they put, compiled all his uh, war material in one book. And it's like, you know, well, that's a start, you know, and I had forgotten if I had already done my crack book, but I don't consider my crack book a Severin book. You know, there's a lot of Severin in it, of course, but, you know, it's like I cover everybody. So good job, too. Yeah, that Thank was you. really great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just lucked out on that. You know, I, you know, and I noticed you did a few quotes from definitely noticed on that book that you used some quotes and stuff like that because that was a long, long interview with Michalina. And she, you know, it's like I attribute it all to John, but you know, she was really the brains behind the whole thing. He just liked to draw, he didn't really want to care about this. Is his the, wife, this is his yeah, wife, yeah, daughter, yeah, right yeah, now, the right? wife, Michalina, <laughs> and right. yeah. Uh, she, that was the first thing she said when I approached uh, John. She says, he doesn't know anything. Talk to me. <laughs> and I go, wow. I mean, I t- that's a I wife. Tried, yeah. I, I couldn't get through to uh, I couldn't get uh, I couldn't get Michalina to budge back in the day. I mean, I of course I wanted it. Good God. I would love. I tried. I tried to get an interview with John Severn. Yeah. You know, I just didn't get any response from uh yeah. Them. So, and then Gary Groth comes out with this huge interview with, yeah. uh, with John Severin. Yeah, two issues devoted yeah. to John Severin. And that was helpful for me too, but you know, very little about cracked. And here I'm doing a crack yeah. book. I go, wow, this is the one thing he's done more than anything else. And there's like maybe one question about, yeah, I still work at cracked, you know. <laughs> and like, then, ah! imagine, <laughs> imagine how I'm freaking out going, yeah. oh thank God, Mark Arnold is good. Yeah. Oh my God, thank yeah. God. You know? Well, it, it finally made sense because for me on John Severin it never made sense once I started reading Cracked why Severin stayed over at Cracked and didn't come back to Mad. You know, it's like, that's crazy, you know, unless there's some bitterness, which there was, but I mean, but there, yeah, I didn't know that he had his own salary on the side and he could do as many or as few pages as he wanted. And basically he kind of ran the show. So it's like, of course he'd want to stay. Why would he want to be at Mad doing two to five pages of, an issue when you can do the whole issue over cracked and then some so you know i get it <laughs> yeah yeah no it's just like ditko at charlton right i mean you know yeah. he he ruled the roost and got yeah. to do what he wanted and freedom and yeah. and uh, it was also uh just a steady i mean they had the schedule down <laughs> yeah. down you know mick lena knew you know six months before and oh you know no, i'm gonna be going out with issue 120 <laughs> to the to ship that off you know back in the day 
Mm-hmm. And and the one thing I found out now doing the Mad Book, it's like Severin was one, but a lot of people did not like Feldstein. <laughs> a lot of people did. It's in you know I I go through it all. You know, it's like the ones that say, oh, you know, Feldstein and I were like that. I think Bob Clark was one who said, yeah, we were like that. It was fine, you know. But then other people like. Dick DeBartolo, he didn't want to talk about him. You know, he didn't really have favorable things to say. You know, and I'm like, okay, you know. And then uh, Kelly Freeze didn't care for Severin. I mean, not Severin, uh, care for Feldstein. And Severin didn't care for Feldstein. And so, you know, it's like, okay, that's why Severin never came back. Also, even if he didn't have the crack gig, he probably would have stayed at Marvel or something else. You know, well, Feldstein's a complex character. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you get no. you get both sides. I, I got the nice side of him of, of yeah. knowing him, um, but also you could see he complained he complained bitterly, and you know, yeah, you learn from people who complain bitterly. It's a part of their personality, so obviously that can be abrasive to, you know, if you're blaming other people and kind of right. <laughs> now I met Feldstein once, you know, and. Uh... He was very nice. You know, I could see that he was nice, but tough. I could see that if you're an artist that you want to be like kind of loosey goosey and do whatever you want, you know, Um, I think he had these two things. He had this uh, artist wanting to be an artist, wanting to be a writer, wanting to run the show as an editor and stuff like that. And I think that there was a real that we being pulled in separate directions and of course being surrounded by by geniuses i mean by by the most amazing array and you know and then (laughs) you know what i mean wanting to be wanting to be them but knowing that he'll never be them he'll never be wally wood you know he'll never be you know it's got to be an interesting uh complex again you know but he should have relaxed because he really did you know i'm much more interested in kurtzman than i am of uh, feldstein's issues of uh, uh mad Mm-hmm. But I cannot deny that Feldstein's mad was just seismic impact upon an entire yeah. generation of people yeah. that I was five years old and I knew that Mad Magazine was the was the shizzle. You know, yeah. that was yeah. that, that's what was happening, you yeah. know. And I learned so much about right. East Side with the East Side story. I yeah. learned so much about Khrushchev and about John Kennedy. You know, it's like where do you get these things from? Well, that was Feldstein, right? You know, that's a, he's got a right, right. And I don't think we'd be talking about Mad today if it wasn't for Feldstein more than Kurtzman. Kurtzman would just have been, you know, oh, this funny comic book came out for twenty three issues in the early fifties, and then he went on to work for Playboy or something. You know, it's like probably would have kind of gone that route in a certain respect. And uh, yeah, I don't know about that, Mark. I would still be considered <laughs> one of the greatest comic books of all time. Yeah, but I I don't know if if, if it only lasted twenty three issues, and uh, you I know, think for Starchy it alone, had, it would have had a underground impact but i don't think it would have had the the ongoing impact of it you know that's well, just I mean, my but, opinion about it but oh but you yeah. yeah you want to talk about two different things but then again that's yeah. a set you know one's yeah. creative one's you know what impact it yeah. had on cartoonists yeah. or what it had on 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 uh, on the general public uh the american culture and stuff like that true that but you know yeah very little of mad comics made it into mad uh, feldstein's mad magazine Right. It's just an evolution that took place, or people. Some would say a de-evolution that would take place. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, a starchy alone as being a, 
yeah. I think truly an epic uh, satirical or or the Walt Disney's uh, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Those Mouse, two yeah. things are outrageously yeah. uh, subversive. Just yeah. really almost anti-American, damn it! You know, <laughs> that, right? So yeah. Just amazing. So yeah. Well, I mean, even other things that are just a little one-off things. You know, the you know Kurtzman's whole modus operandi seem to be kind of let's see who we can tick off this issue you know yeah um, he just had this uh almost uh savant's way of seeing things for exactly what they are which yeah. is we spend a lifetime avoiding of yeah. talking about you know where does a hamburger come from yeah. well harvey can make that connection move yeah yeah you know what I mean? anyway, and like, then you know yeah. i mean i i like my my favorite one's always how do you do it and I was yeah. never a fan of the show. I was too young, but, 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 um, it's a good commentary on just children's television in general, where they're trying to market and push and push and market, you know, tell your mom to go buy squishies bread, you know, buy bup goo and all this other stuff. And at, you the, know? Yeah. at the same time, Joe McCarthy at the same yeah. time, it's, it's making a surreal comment on, yeah. Yeah. on joe mccarthy's uh uh oh, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 what's my shine and all that stuff it's like wow yeah so yeah. yes 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 <laughs> i just always like to give feldstein his due to to me it's sure. like if 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 it ended with the end of feldstein uh in the mm -hmm. mid 80s i think that would have been perfect you know because as much as i like nick meglin as much as i can tolerate <laughs> i'll say it that way john Ficara. um you know it's like if mad didn't continue on past that it, you know i still think it would be remembered you know it's like just because of those two men you know feldstein and and uh Hertzman, but you know anyway <laughs> uh see what other projects are you working on since we're kind of getting near the end here? Oh boy. Uh, I'm working that you on. you can talk about. I mean, if you can't talk about it. Yeah, I... no, I'm doing a, a one on uh, heavy metal, Metal Herlant and uh, Epic Illustrated and those cool. kind of magazines. Cool. I've got, uh, yeah, well, you know, I have a, a, a French collaborator that whom I'm working with who has uh, interviewed all of the Metal Herlant uh, partners. Hmm. Um, so uh, I do have that. That's probably maybe a, a year and a half, two, maybe two years down the line. I might very, I w very well be doing not a new edition of the Warren Companion, but a a new book. Uh, but that's that's on Warren. That would be a narrative history of Warren. That would be something separate from what Bill Shelley did with the. Uh, um, and that would be separate from what Jim Jim Warren, if his memoirs. Uh, if that's ever finished and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I got that and I just, I have a ton of, ton of things. I'm doing something right now in Byron Price. Oh yeah. Is, do you remember him? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he's just a amazing uh, creative force that you can't really pin down very easily, yeah. but he was a book packager. And that's, yeah. I mean, the last thing he did, and it's in my mm -hmm. mad book, he was working with Grant Geisman when they're reprinting the original reprint paperbacks you know mad reader mad strikes back and they got through the first 12 of them and then he died and that pretty much ended the company ibooks at that time and and 
that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, but I know he did other things, like he did a Beach Boys book, which I love still after all these years, even though it's very yeah. it's very dated, you know. But you know, it was like I, I think it's out of nostalgia. That is like the first book that really discussed the Beach Boys more than just oh, oh. yeah. They played some surfing tunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, well, I have to get, I have to get a quote from you on that. That's great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that was the thing that he uh, first approached uh, pyramid. I, I tracked down the uh, associate editor and he went on to uh, be the publisher of Baronet. He founded mm -hmm. Baronet books, which is significantly the first publisher of uh, a contract with God with, yeah. uh, with Will Eisner. And they also did these, uh, um, the illustrated Roger Roger Zelazny and uh, the illustrated uh, uh, Harlan Ellison of, yeah, you know, there were graphic albums, really. You know, they were really high, highly produced, four color, um, mm -hmm. high production values and all stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what he did there. So. Mm -hmm. Going mm -hmm. back to the Warren thing, um, what did you think of Shelley's book? Did you like it or is it? Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. I I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's kind of tough. I mean, I guess it definitely was. I was really, you know, kind of uh, put set back by the that he never told me he was doing the book. Oh. He didn't. He didn't uh, uh, interview me, and I mean that as simply on a on a pure look that I was one of the persons who kind of got Jim out. Right, you know, and certainly and you had Warren a book Companion, out at least the Warren Companion, yeah, yeah. So really, right. that's interesting. And, I never uh, thought about that, you know. And I, I did interview Bill before he passed and about that book, but I didn't talk to him about you <laughs> per se, you know. Oh, it's all right. I, yeah, no, I, no, but uh, he acknowledges but, me in the yeah, book. Yeah, he okay. acknowledges me rather heavily. Okay. In, okay in the book okay. and it's like i'm like oh, okay i would say he didn't acknowledge you at all and it's like wow you know that's, that's kind of a slap no uh, i just was uh, like yeah. I was, you know that he didn't tell me that he was doing it yeah it was just kind yeah. of like uh and because he's a friend he was yeah. he was definitely a friend and yeah. we had always been in, in contact and stuff mm -hmm. like that but uh, so, so, so how's uh, your book going to differ than his uh is it more it's gonna be a narrative history of the, of the of the people who work for the company it's not unlike at all the Charlton companion to being a narrative history oh it's okay really through the people who who work there and uh, yeah. and he did and plus it's not just the comics it's the uh, famous monsters and right um and i will uh, tell you the name of the book and you'll be the first to hear that which is uh the book of warren <laughs> so um <laughs> I, I hope there's a play in the Book of Mormon with the Book of Warren, but you know, <laughs> who knows? Do you, do you still uh, communicate with Jim Warren after all this time, or is he? Uh, I write letters to him. Okay, I write letters to right. him. You know? Okay, I know that he's uh, still taking my mail, and still okay. uh, right. he's been in contact with John. I mean, pardon me, John War. Um, John Warren. John Morrow. <laughs> Uh, last year for his yeah. uh, 93rd birthday, maybe. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, uh, and, you know, hopefully uh, I told him I really want to do this thing and I want to interview, you know, come down and do yet again an epic interview with him. We'll see. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, it's Anymore. Comic Book Creator Magazine. I still do Comic Book Creator Magazine. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. so I'm doing that right now, doing a Frank, uh, pardon me, a a Michael Cho issue, which mm. is uh, just a uh, uh, his gorgeous artist. I mean, he just does wonderful stuff. So mm. there we go. Cool. And Byron, Byron Price. And okay. 
What's up next for you? Are you doing? You just finished well, the Mad Book. What's I the fin- Mad Book? Well, the Mad Book's not finished. Finished. I just finished writing it. Finally, it's taken me three years to write the thing. It was like it took the longest time of any of my books because there's just so much history. You know, it's like you know, you mentioned Charlton, forty years. Well, talk about seventy years, and then plus if you talk about EC prior to mad and you know anything else so you know so you're doing the entire history of Mad. entire history yeah from wow day before day one to the present day you know and it's like it looks like this latest issue that they just put out might be the last gasp of the brand new material but we'll see but i i I don't want to continue i'm just speculating at the end and i said this is a good time to cut it off right now you know (laughs) but i didn't plan for that uh it's bear manor again yeah and he he bugged me as soon as i did the crack book he bugged me to do the mad book way back when i didn't want to do it i said there's already a book by dick DeBartoller, a book by frank jacobs a book by you know i can't think of the lady's name that did that mad book in the 90s you know uh rydelback or something and it's like you know but then i realized you know a decade later when he pushed me again to do it i said you know, there really hasn't been a history of mad books since then. So, you know, um, I know people don't care as much about the last 20, 30 years of mad compared to the first 50 years of it. But, you know, um, you know, I do. How many, how many, how many, how many words have you done? How many words? What do you mean? You mean pages is the book? It's like, all about 400 pages i don't go by words <laughs> i guess i can look at <laughs> no but the last last i looked it's uh 400 pages i'm having a couple readers look at it right now that are big mad fans and you know and it's just because i'm like I, i'm sure you do this to yourself you're, you're too close to it so you don't know but i had to go through it myself once because you get the same story repeated like three or four times oh yeah yeah yeah. rereading is really important i i you the when i had to do the last final read-throughs for the for the uh, charlton book was finding duplicate using its same quote twice Mm -hmm. oh i came so close to that happening and i would oh i would have been crushed you know i mean there's (laughs) enough mistakes in it as there is you know i just (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to get a uh, a real uh, professional grade, uh, oh. uh, you know, reader slash editor, you know, uh, proofreader slash editor on somebody who had said, hey, you know what, you know, maybe you're <laughs> you're being too wordy or something like that. I mean, I maybe that's when I'm going to really feel like I'm possibly an author, you know, when I really reach that point of <laughs> having a having a real editor on the stuff. Uh, right. You know, I would love that because I mean, I used to. Uh, yeah, I used to be acquainted with any number of uh, 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 in horror fiction. I, I knew in a lot of people in the business, and so uh, yeah. I would love that. But and then let's see the 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 next book I'm working on. I have a Disney book that you know during the pandemic I got really productive. You know, so and they're all coming out now. So I had a, te- a total television scrapbook that's Underdog and stuff that came out, and then. Oh, good. Bear Manor wanted me to, or Ben wanted me to do a Pac-Man book. I didn't want to do a Pac-Man book. Scott Shaw said, "Mark, you got to do the Pac-Man." <laughs> okay, so I did a Pac-Man book, you know, but I did it my way, and it's actually not too bad. It's a very slim volume, but I give the history of Hanna Barbera, and it's a history of the TV show and all the actors that worked on that particular series, and it's not that bad of a series, but you know, it's just a little 
you know, work for hire type thing, as it were, because it's like I would never picked it as a book to work on. So, um, but the next big project now that Mad, when, once Mad's done, is um, covering all the animation studios that were around the 50s and 60s. Not every one of them, there's hundreds, but I mean, the ones that probably wouldn't get a book on their own. I mean, they could, yeah. but they contributed significantly to television in the 60s. You know, I'll name a couple, even if you're not familiar, like Hal Seeger, you know, um, TV spots, um, you know, and then the shows they did, you know, in uh, King Features, you know, King Features did the Beatles show. They did Beatle Bailey and, uh, you know, Cool McCool, things like that. Uh, Hal Seeger did Out of the Inkwell. Um, there's Fred Crippen and he did... Uh, um, blah, 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 uh, Roger Ramjet and things like that. So it's all those little studios that were just around, you know. So that's what I'm working on now. So cool. So uh, did you know working with Bear Man Manor? You can make a living off of that, or, uh... <laughs> or do, you, do do you have a day job? Do you have a professional I have a day job? job yeah, I, yeah, I work in healthcare industry. And okay. So um, the reason why I got so productive during the the uh, pandemic is because I wasn't in the office. So yeah. I, I was just at home so I could do more stuff. You know, I didn't have to worry about getting dressed, going to work, you know, being at work, you know, I was at home, you know, and then, you know, that ended. I said, darn it, they found a cure, you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I like, I like the pandemic better. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I don't think I would ever do that again. You know, it's like, even, you know, I, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm kind of like at the end of the line. I have about three or four book ideas that I may or may not do, but I'm like, I've done a lot. So, you know, but as of you, so I don't know, you know, if you're just going to keep plugging away, doing more and more books, you know? Yeah, I know. I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to do fiction. I mean, I, I would like to try. So fiction. Like yeah. 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 yeah you know, really try to write something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is kind of fun. I mean, it really is. The big thing is working with tomorrow's, you know, working yeah. with uh, John Morrow. Yeah. We're, we're really click really well and you know we go back to 1995 yeah. you know we go back a long long way yeah. so uh it's been uh you know he's my best friend uh, i'm his yeah. best friend yeah I, know, was, just... I would still like to get my harvey book back with him i mean it ended up with um i can tell the story now it doesn't matter but you know uh it was john who approached me to do the harvey companion and that was supposed to be a tomorrow's book um and i got it all done and because the Harvey characters went through two sales owners, two yeah, owners. Uh, all of us lost track of who the licensed people are and the the legal team is and everything. And so, you know, because it went from classic media to um, DreamWorks, and then now it's NBC Universal. And that all happened when I was working on the book. And so the book was just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And he goes, well, you know, I like to get my permissions to do this. And I go, I understand it, but, you know, it's just sitting there. <laughs> and so eventually I said, can I take it away and just get it published? Because Bear Manor doesn't care about such things. And <laughs> it got published. But, you know, the only complaint I have of it, which is why I would be willing to bring it back if John ever would want to, uh, is the layout of it is just kind of here's some text 
or some pictures whereas like the charlton book you know is there's like a graphic style and look to it and also it'd be nice to have it uniform because they shrunk mine to six by nine even though i wanted to do it eight and a half by eleven like all the other books even if it was by a different publisher so i'm extending through you if you wanted to <laughs> oh, mention it, Dom. offer sure. that i mean you know i talk to him on occasion but i'm usually working over at tomorrow's is some michael yuri you know he's my guy there and and uh to a lesser extent roy thomas so you know those are, and then you so it's like i don't work directly with john as much but <laughs> But I have the freedom to take my book back, you know, and pull it out of print over at Bear Manor. So if he if he thinks he can get the copyrights that were elusive uh, seven years ago, I will take the book. And if he can get, uh, I think it's the guy's name, Savadra or something that does the layout uh, of a lot of his books. Scott. Yeah, Scott, Scott does them. I do yeah. mine, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah right. I said, you know, because I don't do layouts really i mean i have an artistic sense but i'd rather have somebody else do it but if somebody wanted to take a stab at the same book and maybe with an additional chapter and put it color and stuff like that yeah i'd bring it back to tomorrow's so anyway well you know i mean you know the companion books are building up man you yeah. know they're just this uh this season alone, there's the uh, the team up companion book, and yeah. it's my book. I, I and, helped uh, out on that one too. <laughs> man, he's uh, he's definitely. I'd hit him now. I'd hit him up now. I okay. mean, I mean, I, well, I can hit him up too. But you know, it's like you know, if, since he said uh, he's my best friend, and I go, okay, best friend. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, any final yeah, well, thoughts? <laughs> oh. Go ahead. What with the Har the Harvey Companion? Uh, well, you could <laughs> any final thoughts about that, or you know, I was going to say something. The else, thrillers, the, the Harvey Thriller line. I yes. think if you push it through the Harvey Thriller line, you might have something there. Yeah, oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Chowton book was uh, just a great, great fun. Uh, yeah. It seems to uh, people seem to like it a lot. I haven't really got many critical, and I don't mean negative critical, but but somebody who's really read it. I mean, I'd be very interested in in. Um, hearing what people's opinion would be about uh, no, I, thought, I, I liked it so far as how thorough it was you know I, I you know the only thing I haven't done is like sit down and really read it you know I'm just like you gave me the digital copy and I'm just like skimming it going oh cool wow I didn't know that okay cool you know but I can't say that I read it where I you know because I want sure those are type these type of books are ones that I like to pour over and and like basically memorize it. So. Well, apparently, I'm going to make sure that you get a hard copy of this. Uh, so, yeah, and what I ask is uh, if you have any fleeting interest, read the first three chapters, just suggested, which is the yeah. the stuff nobody knows about yeah. really. Uh, and there's a lot of facts that I correct, uh, no facts that I correct, I get right. Right. You know, a lot, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. I, it'll probably never get fixed on Wikipedia, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm they, they, about they that, weren't yeah. in, even on my they Harvey book. Yeah, they weren't in jail in 1935. <laughs> they, they, weren't. they weren't in jail in 1935. I mean, that's significant because he was still a criminal on the lam on the yeah. run in 1935. You know, yeah. um, it was a huge criminal uh, enterprise to do these uh, song lyric and people can hardly understand it today but there were people on every single street corner in, in the cities who were hawking these uh these stop look read uh song lyric books that uh the, the prototype you know the uh 
this uh, the guy the, the publisher but the Charlton publisher was selling mm-hmm. it was significant it was something it wasn't comics necessarily but mm-hmm. you know and it grew into comics because of funny and incorporated you know and uh, that's because uh, <clears throat> Lloyd uh, how do you pronounce it Jack Rat Jack Rat you know I'm not sure you know Funny's Incorporated yeah so, mm-hmm. okay yeah so uh, anyway, and then it was Al Fago, Al Fago and Blanche Fago. They were the first mm-hmm. editorial team uh, to, to work on it, who had a serious, they seriously got into the comics and they, and they tried to do something with it. And then uh, Pat Masuli had, uh, had the run, uh, was the editor and is uh, like nothing really happened there, but Jungle Tales of Tarzan and things like that. A few, a few things that he took, had some interest in doing some enthusiasm, but then Dick Giordano came and, Mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park i mean he was really enthusiastic of what he was doing you know and then uh and then there was uh uh <clears throat> uh sal gentilly did it and that was just uh status quo just you know toe the line kind of stuff as nice as the guy he was but then there was george wildman he did a, mm-hmm. he was excited about it mm-hmm. so there was these really up and downs and really wonderful ride that uh that it took it was just the contributors that made and made the company as good as it was, which was often not that good. But uh, <laughs> there's enough, you know. And again, I'm telling a story. I mean, yeah. that's really you. We can judge what the quality of the company is for there. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, yeah. You know, I get this debate inside. I mean, you know, am I am I focusing on something that's just banal? You know, that's just. No, that's the fascinating stuff. I mean, that's why, yeah. you know, if, if you start off a book saying, you know, the owner's in jail, you know, it's like, that's a good start. <laughs> no, it's like, I like every little nitty gritty information about the comic book industry. I mean, you know, I had to find out things on the Harvey thing because it's like, and I start where the the Wiernikoff family comes over on a, a ship uh, into Ellis Island. You know, I figured, well, I got the access to the records. I can go that back that far. And the, the Harvey family was impressed. They're going, wow, we didn't know this. <laughs> you know, I felt wow. I did my job. So, you know, and that's where that one starts. Um, yeah. so. I think the Sant'Angelo family is going to look at this and go, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you. Let's see. Uh, so, any um, appearances in the works in the next year or so, next few months? At any conventions or anything? Yeah. Or nothing that I can think. Of. Well, you know, just uh, that would be August. We want to go to uh, Terrificon in uh, in okay. Connecticut. We're okay. going to be there. That's when John's going to come up. Uh, okay. John was mentioning something about San Diego, and it's just too expensive. Yeah, you know? I mean. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going. Uh, I mean, I loved going last time, but I was a guest, and they paid for the flight. And they, right. you know, they paid, paid for everything, so that was wonderful. Yes, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I don't want to spend that kind of money anymore. You know, yeah. that's just crazy. Yeah, New, New York way. is man. Yeah. yeah. How about you? <laughs> How about me? Um, I do a couple of local conventions and stuff like that, but I'll go anywhere if somebody wants to pay. So it's the same thing, <laughs> you know. But I don't get any takers. It's usually like, well, if you pay your own airfare, I'll give you a table. It's like whoopie boo, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's hard uh, to make any money. We we just came uh, from uh, uh, the uh, where did we go? Oh, we went to Baltimore Con. Yeah. which was a really good comic book convention. I have to say it was solid comic mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Just like Hero, Heroes Con, just that. Now, there was one celebrity there, you mm-hmm. know, and just you know, nobody else. So that, that was, and it was just a great, 
we did great sales for one day, one Friday. That was just great. You just don't mm -hmm. get that typically, mm -hmm. but you know, the rest of the days were kind of, eh, it's all right. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's, you go to sell. I mean, yeah. gee whiz. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, San Diego's was great to meet, meet the people, meet people, but it's really hard to remember who you met. Right. You know what I mean? You just meet so many people. So that's the end. You know, I'm sure I'm willing. Okay. Just like you. Well, we should do the Mark and John show. You know, exactly. Be, <laughs> um, the Harvey companion and the Charlton companion. There we go. Um, and <clears throat> then let's see. Um, I know you said no the last time, but things change. I, I, you did that uh, documentary on Will Eisner. Is there any plans for another documentary on any topic in the works or no? No, and I probably said this last time is that I I need to be paid, and that's one yeah. thing me and my brother said. Like, yeah. we will not do anything more. Uh, yeah. You know, we had something that was going to go. Did I mention the Jack Kirby documentary before? Or? No, you just said that we there were were, wasn't going to be any more for that very reason. So you didn't even discuss <clears throat> other topics. Well, we or had possibilities. gotten yeah. we had gotten funding, but uh, there yeah. was a, a major. Uh, situation developed of the person not pulling through even yeah. it was to get uh joe uh to to cover joe simon attending the uh world premiere of uh captain uh captain america mm -hmm. the first avenger you know um right. <laughs> and that would have been that's that's a way to kick it off because uh, i was i'm i was friends with joe and yeah. you know and that would have been an epic thing to film you know mm -hmm. um and uh somebody uh, just dropped the ball and dropped the ball so hard that we just yeah. walked. We just said no. And we could do a great documentary on, on Jack Kirby. I mean, there isn't one done yet. No. You know, I mean, I'm sure that, that's, well, that's like you in the Severn book. It's like, why is there a Severn book? So, yeah, why isn't there a Jack Kirby documentary? I'll agree. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's almost good. I mean, in a sense, if, if, if only somebody could out there listening uh, to this podcast could, yes. you know, drop, drop, drop the proper money that, that we could just, yeah. just, we're talking subsistence. Yeah. We're talking just just to be fed and to pay for the trip and yeah. all, all stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, I think your your puppy there wants to. Yes, you want to see her? Okay. Before we go, this is Mia. Say hi. <laughs> what a cute dog! How old? <laughs> uh, four. Hey, that's ours. A Dilly. I got a little Dilly. <laughs> she go get him. He's about the exact same size. She's. A... There's a. I never thought I wanted a small dog, but yeah. we got a small dog. Yeah. He is the he is the heart and soul. <laughs> he, oh. just, he looks just like that, but he's brown. Oh, okay. But, you know, She's a yeah. half Westy, half have a knee, have have a knees. Yeah. So have a knees. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So. Cool. And when she, her hair grows, her hair grows. Uh, she looks more like Toto in the Wizard of Oz. She doesn't look like it so All much right. right now, but you know. Anyway. <laughs> you got All right. So that's All our right. dog dog feature for today. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right so um i guess the last question is all your books are available uh the typical places comic book stores amazon uh through tomorrow's and all that stuff and the uh, last gasp you know for the book oh, of okay. weirdo oh that's uh, true true mm -hmm. and uh I'll be i'm working on a history of uh last gasp also that's another uh okay. project that uh, is is being worked on uh, regularly i mean i literally what do I got here? Uh, I mean, I just have a, a list of all these different projects that I'm working on, <laughs> you know, just, just keeping them steady. I mean, I have to have, you know, the greatest thing in the world is, is alerts to do 
to uh, scheduling, mm-hmm. scheduling on your iPhone. So it tells you when, when Mark Arnold, this morning, <laughs> this morning I'm working, I'm working right now on a Matt Fox. Do you know who Matt Fox is? Yeah. Yeah. You're the cartoonist. You know, who he is. I've heard of him. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Well, we're doing a we're doing a book on him, and oh, okay. uh, he is a weird idiosyncratic artist and stuff. <laughs> and for some reason, I started thinking of Robert Crumb, and I immediately go, "Oh, I got to I got to talk with Mark Arnold today." Uh. And then, literally three th- three seconds later, was like, Bing! comes up, uh. you know, podcast with Mark yeah. Arnold. So very cool. Yeah. All right. rambling, son. Yeah, Thank that's you. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Whenever you get one of those other projects done, we'll have you back. Or if you just want to just do a general chat show about comics and uh, bring I want anybody... to thank you. <laughs> you always help me. You always, you've been enormous help, help for you. me. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. When you need my help, uh, we're there for each other. We're, we're comrades. We're peers. And uh, mm-hmm. it's always a pleasure, Mark. And you, and you just do wonderful work also, you know. Oh, and, so you know, I I miss Bill Shelley enormously as the same, yeah. uh, R.C. Harvey. I I, I miss Bob yeah. very much because he was a he was a wonderful historian, and mm-hmm. we got to stick together and we got to yeah. we got to live <laughs> we got to live for a while. We got you know even if you only got a couple more things left, okay, you know you do yeah. deserve to retire someday. But yeah. I'm not saying, <laughs> but you know, I just want to do everything. I just want to do the proper due diligence. I mean, I could just turn out books, but it's like I want them to be good, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so right. there's, there's a little quality control on it. So that's why I'm saying I think I have like four in me, but you never know. I might change my mind and say, "Oh, I got this like, other idea," you know. So anyway, I got one <laughs> thing, one last thing I will do in my life. No, it's it'll make money, and it sounds weird, but uh, I want to do a Kirby encyclopedia. Oh, I wow. want to do an and and John's on board for it eventually, but I want to sit down and go through everything that Jack did, and just bring it all together into one place. And people think that oh well, you know what you're going to do, Mister Mister Fantastic, and no, no, it's going to be it's going to be much much larger than that than just characters and mm-hmm. stuff. I. So that's that's my dream thing of retiring, of sitting there and going through all that because I buy all the omnibuses and all stuff like that. So I could go through. Right, right. (laughs) Plus the real world stuff. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and John, you know, John's never really, quote unquote, recycled his uh, his material of, uh, you know, he never put it to, you know, like Ron Goulart, you know what, Mm -hmm. what he used to do. He used to repackage his material. He. He did it in so many different ways. It was really like, wow. He had so many different books that would come out that basically kind of had the same information in there, yeah. but he, he was able to repackage it and, and do things like that. John's never really done that yeah. for, for the Jack Kirby stuff. And he could. Yeah. And, you know, you know, mm. and uh, that's what I'm doing. You know, Charles Binion is right. It's mm-hmm. issue of number nine and number 12 of comic book artist magazine mm-hmm. expanded exponentially. Right. You know, but nonetheless, you know, yeah, so. that's how they start. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you, John cook for being my special guest, And uh, that wraps up another episode of the fun ideas podcast. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. And thank you, John B cook for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 197 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com.
Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.